You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Welcome back to Millennium Discourses with Sajjad Yub and Sheikh Ibrahim Skatema. We're now covering Discourse 6, Patience and Gratitude, the sign of Imar. Mention the word kufr means to cover. What is it that is being covered? So, uh, at before endless time, Arab called us into being and he asked each one of us to bear witness that he is our Lord. Am I not your Lord? And we all said, yes, you are. And um, uh, then we came, come into the world and then some of us have this idea that we have an existence which is independent of him. In fact, some of us have such a strong conviction that our existence is independent of him that we even deny that he exists, never mind that he is our guardian law, that he is our Rabb. Um, so, so we therefore think that we, we are... We live, we, we exist not as part of an organic continuity, a oneness that holds all things together. We are these discrete, separate beings with separate identities that basically are pitted against the rest of the universe that we experience as being both parsimonious with us. I mean, we have to, because it's, you know, on the sweat of our brow, we have to earn our, our, our sustenance. We've got to... You know, because there isn't enough to go around. And not only that, not only do, is, 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 the, is scarcity the order of reality, but the universe that we're in is immensely threatening. And these are two very reasonable responses of a being who thinks that he exists independently of, what, uh, of, of the world. There's a, um, uh, and it's just purely an implication of size. If I consider the contrast between me and everything that isn't me, then um, it presents itself as vast and alienating and empty, not full. I mean, there's emptiness out there, you know, so it's not surprising then that if I think I exist independently, I'm a fearful being. And I'm a being then that spends a lot of effort needing to defend myself and my boundaries. So, so the, the, um, the, this, what is being covered is this, um, this, this insight, this experience that I actually don't exist independently of what isn't me. I exist as part of like an organic continuity. There's like a, which is, which, which, which produces me almost like a, like an eddy in a stream. I mean, if you, if you were on the bank of a stream and you were watching the, the water flow and maybe the flow goes over a rock where it produces a disturbance or an eddy, then it looks as if that place in the stream has an independent existence from the stream because you can actually delineate boundaries. You can see there's a place with the disturbance, the wave starts at the front of this rock and there's a place behind it where it ends. So there's like a, you know, there's definite form to that disturbance. 
But that the form of that disturbance does not exist independently of the stream. If the water that produced that disturbance didn't continue coming in and going out from it, the disturbance wouldn't be, I mean, you wouldn't see a thing. So, so just so it is with you and with me, you don't exist independently of the world around you. There's things that aren't you have this almost um, rush through you, just like the, the water going through the eddy that produce you. The air that you breathe comes from other than you. The food that you eat comes from other than you. The, 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 the minerals that make up your body comes from other than you. In fact, it's scientifically true that your whole carcass is going to be replaced within a certain period of time. There's there, there, within, um, I'm not entirely sure what the time frames are, but it's like surprisingly short, like within seven years, there won't be a single atom in you that was there seven years ago. So who on earth is Sajjad? You know, you, you, you're not this corporeal thing that exists independent. You're like this eddy in the stream, there's things coming. That's the truth. In fact, the, my experience of you as a corporeal solid entity is a little bit a trick of my senses. It's not what's actually there. What's, so what's there isn't an object called Sajjad. What's there is a bit of a disturbance in a river that sort of vaguely approximates Sajjad. That's the truth. This idea that you exist independently is false. And, and so, so the, the, when you say what's being covered, what's being covered is the fundamental truth of the oneness that basically unifies all being. And we call that oneness Allah. That's what's being covered. Um, uh, and one of the ways in which that gets covered is by the flagrant denial, which is actually, I still find it astonishing that anybody could do this, that he even exists. You know, it's like they, they, there's, no, there's no fundamental ground of being. There isn't the real that all things come from. It's not there. It's, it's completely bizarre. So that is the covering. Thank you for that. I'm going to change my name to Stream from now on. <laughs> you were saying that Kufr is, is really a state, a state of having no trust that things will work out. Can you elaborate on that? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> mm. So this, this is a con it's an implication of what we've just discussed before, because When I think I exist independently from the world, I have a problem. And the problem is, how do I account for the fact that I'm still alive? Because logically, um, uh, it, is, it is the nature of that which is overwhelming to overwhelm that which is small. And I am, no matter how much I try to aggrandize myself, all that I have to do is go and step outside my door and have a look at the stars at night to realize that I am stupendously small. I am like shockingly small. I'm like, you know, just inconceivably small. And it's the nature of that which is very small. When that which is very small apprehends that which is overwhelming, it's the nature of the overwhelming to overwhelm that which is small. So I've got a real problem when I think I exist independently of this drama that I'm looking at. 
because I'm now a very small being confronted by that which is truly frightening, hmm? which means it's really difficult for me to trust it. It's, it, it, I, I deeply suspect, in fact, I know when I consider myself, I know I'm going to die. I know these boundaries are going to be ripped apart. And, and, and because I think that this is who I am, these boundaries are who I am, I therefore have to assume that my fundamental lot is annihilation. So if I deny that there's a fundamental continuity to life that I'm part of, but, and I claim that I exist as an independent, self-sufficient entity, you know, then the problem that, it get, that, that that produces is a fundamental distrust of life because life will present itself to me as something terrifying and vast and overwhelming. There's no other possibility it will present itself to me like that, which basically means to say to be a kafir is to be in a state of fear. It cannot be otherwise. Because it means to say that you're looking out at a vast universe, which is uh, uh, breathtakingly empty, extraordinarily overpowering and overwhelming, and has and and to to which you are. Uh, I mean, it has no consciousness. There's no relationship with you. So you're 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 an alienated an uh, uh, dot in an alienating vastness. If, however, you, you, you use a little bit of reflection and you say, well, listen, it's inconceivable that, that uh, I, the nature of this thing is empty, that it, because, because I'm full. I'm conscious, constantly full. There are things that come to me that I cannot account for on an ongoing basis. You know, not only can I not account for the uh, the processes that allow me to metabolize, but all the ingredients of metabolizing the food that I eat, the uh, the oxygen that I breathe, the water that courses through my veins, all this incredible. Uh, concert of stuff that produce my life I cannot account for so in other words um, this thing isn't empty it is full and it is full not just in an abstract sense it's directly full with regard to my best auspices because it gives me me not only is it full with my best or best auspices but it it uh um, it withholds the catastrophe from me. I mean, I, you know, there's how many things could kill you right now? I mean, there's an incalculable number of things that could kill you right now. In any moment, the odds of annihilation beat the odds of staying alive incomparably. So the obvious question then one needs to ask is, well, why am I still alive? It has to mean that the disaster is being withheld. So... So while it appears that I exist as an independent being, and that's the, you know, that, that I'm looking at this alienating universe that doesn't give a damn about me, the opposite has to be true. Um, uh, um, uh, the opposite has to be true because in the first instance, I know that I've been looked after, I've been given in, in wildly in excess of my due to be alive. And because I know that this has happened in the past, I can trust life going forward. I know that I will be given 
and I know that the catastrophe is constantly withheld from me. Insofar as I'm alive, the catastrophe is withheld from me. So therefore, I can trust life. So to be kafir means to not trust life. To be Muslim, to be believer, means to trust life. Mm. Means to know that existence has your back. And is the opposite of being kafir being a, a bit dumb? You know, again, so we, it's, we, we made this, we had this, this discussion um, uh, yesterday. Uh, so I, I've, um, my mind has changed. I mean, I wrote this, this is 20 years ago. Um, and um, I, from one point of view, you can say that. From one point of view, you can say, listen, I mean, for heaven's sake, isn't it clear to you that if if the if if the universe was your was your, was was not your ally, you couldn't be alive? Mm. I mean, I mean, that, isn't that obvious? I mean, if you know, just consider its nature. I mean, if if this vast thing didn't actually conspire and collude through incredible mechanisms to produce you, how could you be here? So, in a sense, to say it is blind fate that produced you yeah there's something in my experience not very intelligent about that but i have to say that over a period of time i've met some really exceptionally intelligent uh, uh, people unbelievers who have ingenious ways of defending the indefensible so i mean i get people that come up you know it's so obvious, and yet, I mean, there's this. Um, so, so most believers in the world will will refer to this issue of design that's implicit in all creation, to suggest that this has to mean there has to be a designer. You know, I mean, that if you look at a tree, there's a sense of design. If you say design, you know, design isn't arbitrary. I mean, if uh, if you took my hand and you you submitted it to arbitrary kind of violence it wouldn't be handy it would just be some so mush and bone it wouldn't be you know what what so as but it's the, 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 if you respect the design you have to then say well there's a there's the, it's not arbitrary there's a deliberateness to this thing's shape so design produces an immediate understanding and experience of deliberateness of a conscious deliberateness that sits behind it now I still don't quite understand how they do it, but I, I've come across Kufar who say, no, no, exactly the opposite is true. The design is the outcome of blind fate. It doesn't mean that there's a creator. It doesn't mean that there's an intelligence that sits behind. So, so and they argue it very um, eloquently. So, 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 I, I wouldn't say that being kafir is necessarily being a bit dumb, but I think to be kafir convincingly, you need to be exceptionally intelligent because you need to outwit some very clever arguments. Thank you. Everyone's chasing happiness. What do you say it's a function of? Hmm. 
I think it might be helpful to um, start off just by examining the word. Mm. Yeah, you know, what, 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 what does this mean? What does happiness mean? Um, uh, so I think consistent with the idea of happiness would be a sense of contentment. Mm -hmm. uh, there will be a sense of fulfillment. Um, there will be a sense of, uh, of satisfaction. Things are all consistent with the idea of being happy, you know. Now, uh, the, the way in which we think of happiness is very consistent with how you phrased the question. Everybody's chasing happiness. In other words, happiness is something that sits in the future. Um, so we, 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 we are empty because we seek to be filled. And the thing that's going to fill us is an outcome or a goal, which is over there somewhere, you know. Now, there's a, there's, there's, there's a number of stories that I can think of that actually demonstrate the, the, how bizarre this idea is, but there's a very clever one that Eckhart Tolle tells, uh, speaks about, and he, says, and he speaks about this, um, I think it's the, the beginning of the power of now, he has this, this metaphor, he says that uh, a man uh, is, is, is a beggar sitting in a, in a market on a box. And um, a man walks past the beggar, and the beggar says very miserably, you know, would you, would you care to spare me some change? And the man says to the beggar, well, I don't, I don't have any money on me, but have you ever looked at what's in the box? And the beggar said, no, I'm just, it was just an old box. It's always been here. So the man says, well, you know, let's take a look. So finally he convinces the beggar, the beggar gets up, opens the box, and there's this, this king's ransom of a treasure in the box that he's been sitting on his entire life. We're like that. We're looking out for the thing that we're sitting on. We're looking over there for the fullness that is already our, our birthright. Because what does fullness mean? What does it mean to, to, to be satisfied? It means to, to, I have had enough. And to be more than satisfied is to say, I've had in excess of my due. I mean, to be dissatisfied means not only that I haven't had enough, but I haven't had my due. I need to be given more. So if we, if we say, well, is this true? Let us examine our lives then it's the same refrain that we've been beating the drum of, you know, this entire process is that, you know, well, yes, you have been given wildly in excess of your due. If you saw things as they are, you would recognize that you've not actually deserved the totality of what you've got. It's not, it's not possible. There's what you would have earned with all of the endeavors of your life are a minuscule subset of all of the conditions that are necessary to produce your life. You must have said, I'm mean, about doctor. I've studied very hard. I went to university. Oh, really, doctor? And where does the brain come from that allowed you to study? And where did the, the whole process of developing and educating you that put you at the day one at the university that allowed you to study? Where did, did you produce any of that? 
Did you produce the society that gave you the schooling? Did you produce the physiology to be able to study? You know, no. So the thing that you brought, the little bit of sweat over six years, is a tiny fraction of this ocean of blessing that has made that possible. Which means to say, if you saw the matter as it was, you are, you're already full. You've already been given, the, if you're not satisfied with this thing, you know, satisfied, satisfied means I've been given enough. In fact, more than satisfied, deeply happy, deeply satisfied, deeply contented, deeply fulfilled, I have been fooled, is to recognize just how stupendously things have gone right in my favor and have made my life possible. So we're looking at the wrong direction if we seek to be fulfilled, you see. We're looking over the hill. We're looking over there. We shouldn't be looking at the future. All that we need to do is look at the past. And then you discover that the fullness is already there. You, you don't need to be, you, you, you don't need to experience yourself as an emptiness that seeks to be filled by doing things new. In fact, you can choose to see things as they are and then to recognize actually you're already full, you're a fullness, you're an overflowing thing. And that doesn't mean to say you don't do anything, but your action then has a completely different character. Your action is then no longer the character of a slave and a knave because trying to manipulate stuff out of life to get the outcomes that you want. In fact, you don't, you're not interested in the outcome. You're acting to act. I'm not doing something, giving, giving you something to, manip, to, to, to engineer or manipulate something to my benefit. I'm giving because that's what I'm, I'm giving to give. I'm giving to give away. So the, the, one of the attributes of a person who's truly full is that they give to give away. A fulfilled person gives to give away. Um, uh, insofar as a person is still chasing fulfillment, they give to produce an outcome. And they will never get the fulfillment because the lack of fullness doesn't sit in the thing they're trying to chase. It sits in the structure of how the intent works. You know, you, as soon as you say, I'm doing this to get that, you're by definition dissatisfied. So our endeavor on this path is to do the work that's necessary to shift our experience of our lives and the experience of our intent from an emptiness that seeks to be filled to a fullness that empties. And that's fundamentally recalibrating how we look at existence from understanding that we've already been given an excess of our due and our lives do work stupendously with actually not too much interference from our part from uh, you, you know we, we either have that view or we have a view that it's all a disaster and i've got to make it work and it's isn't it so exhausting right you also meant thank you for that you also mentioned having in this is the flame of my Lord. Please tell me why this matters. Hmm. So that would be a consistent, it's, it's taking the insight that we've just described, that my life is a fullness that can just be allowed to spontaneously empty, and turning that into practice and ritual. Every time you repeat that vicar to yourself, you are reminding yourself that your life is full. 
your life is full and not from your own ingenuity. So sometimes people think this is the appropriate thing to say um, just when things go right. You know, I mean, so the farmer has an exceptional season and all the climatic conditions are right and they praise him. And he says, no, 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 it's not me. This is from the overflowing of my law. This is not an inappropriate way of using the phrase, but actually, insofar as you've managed to stay alive from one moment to the next, means, this is from the overflowing of my law. You see, there's no contract. I mean, this is the point. All of the things that we've indicated before that have produced who you are, that continue to produce who you are, all of the blessing, all of the food, all of the energy, all of the catastrophes that get withheld from you, that produce who you are. There's no contract that you've undertaken to earn that. You didn't come, you didn't come into this world with a with like, a, you know, a, an invoice stuck to the front of your forehead, you know, um, uh, ability to met metabolize sugar, sugar, so many uh, pounds, an ability to kind of uh, masticate so many, no, it is all given to you. There, yep, three glasses of nothing. On that note, this is the conclusion. Thank you for joining us. Listeners, you are listening to Millennium Discourses. We will be back tomorrow with another topic. We would like to thank Etzko Skatema. Till tomorrow, Allah Hafiz. Yeah.